When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Keep or Cut podcast, a proud member of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I'm your host, Pete Ball, joined as always by Chad Young. You can follow the show at, at Keep or Cut. You can follow me at, at PP Baseball. You can follow Chad at, at Chad Young. Chad, before we get into the number five, because this is episode 105, I want it to be known that I am trying to use Twitter again. And I think that's worth putting out there because my summers can sometimes get a little dry. So I said, you know what? I'm going to try tweeting again. I'm going to use the show to promote it. The show's account is about to get a lot more active. So uh, Chad's really the only one worth following, but myself (laughs) and the Keeper Cut account, we're going to start. We're going to start. I tweeted like twice yesterday. And I, I like started sweating. So I, I we're, we're going to go slowly here, but I'm going to start entering the tweet game again. Just just ease your way back in. Don't overdo it. You know, it's That's like right. when you get back to working out after taking a long break. If you, if you lift too much all at once, you're going to just injure yourself. <laughs> Keep those tweeting thumbs in, in good shape. Make sure you're icing between tweets. Yeah, well, I've learned that the hard way. So, so yeah. I mean, during the school year, I try to keep it on private. During the summer, I, I make my account public. Not that I tweet anything bad. I just, I don't, you know, I don't like it out there. During the summer, it's public again. So we're, we're going to try to get back in the tweet game. But um, it's episode 105, which means we're looking at the number five. And one player comes to mind for me with number five. And that's Albert Pujols. But Chad, who do you think this episode should go to? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with Pujols. I think I, like I was pulling up the that that baseball reference page with all the top players by by reference war and there's a handful of guys like hank aaron apparently wore number five for one season mel ott wore it for one season adrian beltray for one season like a bunch of guys who are like at the top of the war list for the number who uh they don't get credit for this number we'll say but yeah i mean it's a it's a stacked number i mean pools definitely stands out but george brett jeff bagwell joe dimaggio brooks robinson and i i gotta go couple more down the list just because the next guy on the list who really you know earns this number is Johnny Bench. And after him is Lou Boudreau, who is a player manager the last time Cleveland won a World Series. So oh, okay. That's uh he's he's a guy who uh you know important to Cleveland baseball history. He's a Hall of Famer. He's he's you know he's in that list. He's just he really is the next guy down. There is like there's a pretty sizable gap from bench to him. I mean, bench, like just using war bench, 75.1 career war. The guy above him with, with multiple years with this number is Brooks Robinson at 78.4. There's a couple other guys in the high seventies. Boudreaux's down at 63.2. So I get it. He's not Johnny bench. He's a, but he deserves a shout out. And so Lou, I know you're not out there listening, but you know, maybe some of your <laughs> family is or something. I just want you to know you're appreciated. Put it down. This is the Lou Boudreaux. That's what that's, that's his name, right? Lou Boudreaux. Yeah. yeah, that this is the Lou Boudreaux episode, of course. Sorry, Pools. Step aside, buddy. Um <laughs> before we get into the Only news. One of those two guys is in the Hall of Fame. What's that? Only one of those two guys is in the Hall of Fame. 
That's a great point. I mean, Pujols is so, going to have know, to go through the voting gotta, process. We'll see. He's going to so. win his turn. We'll see. That's true. That's true. Before we get into the news and notes, and then in the second half of the show, we're going to do something uh, like we always do, something fun, something interesting. I do want to talk about a trade just because it's hot off the press, and it did involve me, it's in, and it's in one of our listener leagues. So uh, a lot of reasons to, to chat about it here. I don't know if you had a chance to see it yet, Chad, because I think I accepted it less than an hour ago. Matt Heckman, friend of the show, guest of the show, um, was offered me this a while ago, and I just think it's good context for listeners as uh, we begin to enter the I'm selling or I'm buying phase of the season. I won listener league two last year, loved my team, loved my team going into this year, but it just wasn't meant to be. I lost Alonzo for a few weeks there. And now with the Aaron judge injury, which we'll get into, my team is kind of in shambles, lost Chris sales. Well, and just didn't really, didn't really draft that well. Um, so even though I'm hovering around 500 right now, I thought it was time to sell. So I got uh, from Matt Hackman, I got eight, Round 17, Tyler Glass now. So he will cost me a 16th round to keep. Um, a round, I believe he was actually taken in the 20th, but he's worth a 19th round Evan Phillips, which if he runs away with that job or continues to run away with that job, uh, he might actually be worth keeping. Um, a Kyle Manzardo, who will just take a minor league slot in the ninth, a 19th round pick for a ninth round, Emmanuel Klasa. So he'll cost an eighth. He's probably still keeper worthy at that price. A round two Mike Trout. So he is not a keeper for a first round pick in a 12 team league and a 21st round pick. I thought I did pretty well, but uh, quick thoughts, reactions to this trade, Chad? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it depends on what you think about Phillips. Um, and I only say that because I think the other two players you got are like, I don't think there's a lot of debate about them, right? Like people have high expectations for Manzardo, but we don't know when he's going to be up. So there's, there's, that's the sort of obvious wart there. For Glass now, we know what he is capable of, but one of the things he's capable of is missing half the season. So again, you know what you're getting there. Phillips, like you mentioned that you think he could play his way into being a keeper. I don't know. I don't know how likely it is, even if he you know holds down the closer job for the Dodgers the rest of this year, that he goes into next season locked in. And so... I think you may find yourself in a position with him where you're making a tough choice in like January when there's still free agents out there. There's still trades waiting to happen. Nobody's really reported to camp yet. And you've got to decide if you're giving up your, what are your 18th round pick? You said you'd give up your 18th for him. It would be 19th. He was taken in the 20th, I believe. Okay. So yeah, you're deciding, you know, and a 19th makes it a little easier because it's, you know, 19th round isn't a totally crazy time to speculate on a closer. But you do have to decide if that's what you're going to do. This one is, this is also a head-to-head league, if I'm remembering my leagues correctly. And I know that you are more likely to just sort of punt on saves in that format. And so, I don't know. I, I, I I don't feel like Phillips is a huge ad here. But getting Glasnow and Manzardo, I think is a pretty nice... And plus a two-round pick upgrade, I guess. That counts, too. Um, that's a pretty nice combination for Trout, who can't be kept because our league rules prevent you from keeping anyone picked in the second round or first round. And for Class A, who I, I agree, I think he's probably a keeper in the eighth. I mean, he's having what amounts to a down year when you look at his velocity and strikeouts and stuff, and he's still as good a closer as there is. So, I, yeah, he's he's a pretty solid keeper there, I think. But 
you, you, like I said, you're not always a huge fan of taking saves, certainly not spending that early for saves in a head-to-head league. And so from that perspective, like you gave up two guys who you either weren't going to keep or might not want to keep, even if you did. And you got two guys that I know you're excited about. So I like it. Yeah, Tyler Glass now definitely, if you're if you're selling, he's a target because of his cost going into the season. I think he's a guy in a lot of leagues who I'm targeting, clearly, the last two weeks, two different trades. But um, yeah, go after Glass now if you're a seller. News and notes. Let's start with the big news here. Jordan Westberg, uh, top 50-ish prospect. Some places have him top 30 for the Baltimore Orioles, um, is being called up. He's in the lineup today. He's batting seventh, playing second base. I believe he's batting seventh. I know he's playing second base. Started six games at second base, 18 at third base, 33 at shortstop, six in the outfield, and three at DH at AAA. So this guy can play all over the place. He batted 295 with a 404 Woba, 18 homers, six stolen bases, 57 runs, 54 RBI, the walk rate almost 10%, the strikeout rate right around 21%. It seems like there's a lot to like. Chad, before I get your reaction on this, I want to give you my concern because I mentioned this a week or two ago. Jordan Westberg already does not pull the ball that much and does not hit that many fly balls. Like right now, he's at a 38.3% pull rate. He is at a 36.4% fly ball rate. Both of those would be slightly below MLB league average. Combine that with like how hard it is already for right-handed batters to hit home runs at Camden. According to StatCast Park Factor, they rank 25th out of 30. And I have concerns about how the power is going to play for Jordan Westberg. Um, the exit velocity was awesome, well over 90 miles an hour and all that stuff. But uh, this was with a 25% home run to fly ball rate this year at AAA. MLB average, folks, is 12.2. <laughs> so... I'm worried there's some regression on the power front, but I'm still excited about the player. Thoughts on Westberg? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the right concern, uh, especially like it is hard to hit home runs the other way, right? And so if you're not pulling the ball that off, you're not hitting in the air that often, like you can get yourself into some trouble. Now, the other thing that's sort of weird with him and the power is if you look at his power grades, like, if you think about a guy who's hitting that many home runs, right? He had 27 home runs last year. He was on pace to hit 35, 36 home runs this year in AAA. And he's, like I said, he's not hitting the ball in the air a ton and he's not pulling the ball a ton. So you sort of feel like he must be just hitting tanks when he does, right? Like his power grades as a prospect are good, but not great. Like Fangraphs has him as a 55 raw power, a 45 game power with potential to get up to 55 game power. Like that's, that is a good power grade. So I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like, Oh, the scouts think he can't hit blah, blah. Like that's, that's not what that says, but that's not like a 70 power grade, right? That's not the, like no park can contain him. If he has to go the other way, he'll just go the other way. Who cares kind of power. And so I also have the, the same, the same concern that if he isn't, if he isn't able to turn on the ball more regularly and if you know he faces bigger velocity than he has in the minors on a regular basis, stuff like that, I think there's going to be, I think the power is going to be a little disappointing. Now there's room for his power to be disappointing and still have 20, 25 home runs. And that's a pretty good place to be for a guy who, boy, he should have eligibility like everywhere. I don't even know what his, let's see, what is his auto new eligibility? I think it's shortstop and third base, if I have that correct. Because I have you said he's playing it. second today. He's second, third, and short. Oh wow! So okay, sweet. you can use him all over the infield. 
as a middle infielder, he doesn't need to hit 30 home runs to have value. So from that perspective, I'm not that worried about it, but I do think there's a good chance that it's, it's just not what people want it to be. If that makes sense. Yep. Nope. That's, that's totally fair. Those are my thoughts on Westberg as well. And a, a quick little note here, Baltimore is facing a lefty and this is the first game with Westberg up and Gunnar Henderson is not in the lineup. Hopefully um, that's not something that's going to be a try. Like I, I need Gunner to face lefties. I think a lot of us that took Gunner in the top 100 picks want Gunner in the lineup, even though he's been atrocious against lefties. Um, just something to to monitor there. Mateo and uh, Urias are filling up those other two infield spots. Let's talk about somebody who I'm sure you're interested in, Chad, and that's Gavin Williams, who made his debut against Oakland, five and two thirds innings pitch, four hits, four and runs, three walks, seven swings and misses on 84 pitches. With that said, all that sounds gloomy. He was only hard hit four times, uh, and he touched 98 miles an hour. He threw his fastball 54% of the time, but he had a deep arsenal. He threw all four of his pitches a double-digit amount of times, um, and he had more whiff luck with his secondaries. Not a lot of whiffs in the fastball, but he was a little bit better on those secondaries. So your thoughts, Chad? Was there, This obviously wasn't the debut you were looking for, but a lot of young pitching in Cincinnati. This guy seems like the top dog. Are we still excited? Yeah, he's in Cleveland, not Cincinnati. But other than that, oh it's, boy, it's all wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I am, and actually, like, it doesn't help make up. It doesn't. It doesn't counteract the numbers, we'll say. But it is worth noting that he went. He gave up a walk in the first inning and had a strikeout. But other than that, nice clean inning. A one-two-three second inning. Then he gave up four runs, including a three-run homer to Ryan Noda in the third. Then he came back out and had a one, two, three, fourth inning and a one, two, three, fifth inning, and then had got the first two in the sixth before he gave up a walk and was pulled. So from a long-term perspective, thinking about this guy as a pitcher, I kind of loved what I saw. Like he went out, he pitched well, he had a rough inning, including one tank he gave up. And then he came right back out and was like, no, 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 I'm good. I got this. Now, it was against Oakland. So, you know, it's not as hard as it might be to come back if you're facing, you know, you get a bad inning against Houston or someone like that. And it's a lot harder to come back out there and just shut him down again. But it was still a really good thing to see that he he sort of put that inning behind him, got himself back on on track and was able to pitch well. And so from that perspective, like I kind of saw a lot to like, despite the mediocre results. Now, in terms of sort of his value near term and like whether or not I'm promoting him, like if I have, if I have him in a minor league spot in the keeper league in a keeper league, am I promoting him right now? I don't think I am. And that has a little bit to do with him and a lot to do with Cal Quantrill who made a rehab start yesterday. Quantrill threw 58 pitches, so he's not quite ready yet. He's probably got another another rehab start in him. But he's going to be back soon. And there are a lot of things that could happen. Like one thing they could do is the the Guardians could go to a six-man rotation. One thing that could happen is they could make Quantrill a long man out of the pen. But the third thing that could happen and maybe sort of the arguably the cleanest and simplest thing to happen is for one of Tanner Bybee, Logan Allen, or Gavin Williams to end up back in Columbus. 
And I kind of think that if one of them is going down, it's going to be Williams. So I am, I would be waiting at least another week or two. Like, let's see what happens. If they bring Quantrill back and either send someone else down or they bring Quantrill back and do it a six man rotation. Like if he comes back and Williams is still up and he's pitching well, then I would, then I would promote him because I think he'll be, he'll, at that point, I'm starting to feel good about him being valuable. But right now, I don't know. The, the results were iffy. The job is not that secure. And so I'm, I'm going to be a little patient with him. I do think like now might be a good time to buy him if, you're not, if you don't need him for this year. So if you're looking, you know, especially if his next start, I'm not sure when he's back on the hill. But if his next start isn't good, then I'd be I'd be really interested in just sort of pinging his his manager, especially if it's in a league where the team that has him is contending. Be like, hey, he's not helping you right now. Let's talk because I think long term Royals tomorrow, so he might he might dominate that one. He might, he might. But like, like if he goes out and isn't dominant tomorrow, now you've got a guy who I still believe in long term. And yeah, and, and and his, you know, anybody who's currently got him on a roster is like, okay, he started off his career with the A's and the Royals and wasn't that good. Like, I obviously can't rely on this guy. And if that's the case, like, that's the time to buy. Yeah, and as a, as a buyer, he's a great piece maybe to sell. Like, if it's just not going to happen this year, he he's a piece that should still net you a lot. That league that we were just yeah. talking about, Listener League 2, I have him in my minor league system now with Manzardo. Uh, so pretty excited about that combo. And I'm obviously, as a seller, not going to promote Gavin Williams. And I wanted to kind of compare him to a rising prospect this year uh, who's made two starts, uh, and that's Emmett Sheehan. Uh, who Friday against Houston, six innings pitched, three hits, two earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts. He had 12 swings and misses on 87 pitches, a much better percentage than his first outing, uh, where he only had four swings and misses. Eight hard hit balls. He was also mid to high 90s. He's essentially a two-pitch pitcher so far. Uh, He threw the fastball 62% of the time, slider 34%. He threw the changeup just three times. That was his only other pitch. His first outing, he threw the changeup 15 times. Uh, getting no whiffs. So that between these two starts, he's thrown the change up 18 times. He has not gotten a single whiff on that pitch. Um, so the, the two pitch mix did seem to work better for strikeouts anyway. But for that reason, I personally prefer Williams. Williams, the much higher rated prospect, but it is the Dodgers. The Dodgers also churn out pitchers. And so far through his major league career, very small sample. We're talking three combined starts between these two pitchers. Sheehan has looked more formidable for 2023. So are you taking Sheehan? With, I mean, keep in mind, Julio Urias is going to be back this week, probably. I don't think that's going to impact Sheehan. It, things could get interesting, though. Are you taking Sheehan over Williams for this year and then Williams over Sheehan long term? Or what are we doing here with these two? You know, I don't know how excited I am about Sheehan, to be honest. Oh. Like, I, I don't know. You look at his numbers and I, it's just two starts, but he is not getting any swings and misses. He is not getting any strikeouts. He's walking a lot of guys. He's not getting any ground balls. Right? So, like, he has a... His BAPIP against is point zero three four. That's sustainable. And he has a 100% left on base rate. The only run he gave up 
<laughs> or the only runs he gave, what did he give up? He's gave up one home run. I don't think he gave up a single hit no. in his first outing. So, but he's given up. I think he's given up Ryan. So I'm just double checking this. Because he gave up two home runs to Houston. So the fact that he's only given up two earned runs is just pure luck, right? Like if his BAPIP isn't almost zero, or if those walks happen to come at the wrong time, he's given up two home runs in 12 innings. Like that's not a great start. Now, again, he faced the Giants who've been very good. He faced Houston. who has got a great offense. Like this isn't to say that he's, you know, a lost cause and never going to be good and blah, 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 blah. But like, I don't know. I look at his minor league track record and he looks like a guy who has problems with control, who doesn't get a lot of ground balls. And I look at his major league experience so far and he's had problems with control and he doesn't get a lot of ground balls. And so I'm sort of, I see the strikeout potential. He hasn't flashed that in the majors. And that is a little concerning to me. The fact that his swing strike rate was 7.4%. Like that's a little concerning to me his minor league track record suggests the strikeouts will come and so i'm I'm willing to sort of you know buy into what the scouts see and what the minor league numbers show on on those strikeouts but if he strikes out a bunch of dudes while also giving up a bunch of home runs and walking a bunch of guys like that that's like matt boyd right (laughs) that's that's really not exciting and for what it's worth you know, you mentioned the Houston lineup. I think it's it's worth pointing out two things. Number one, without Jordan Alvarez. Number two, yeah, WRC, WRC plus against right-handed pitchers this year under a hundred. It's ninety-seven. So for I the think Astros for the the, the Houston Astros, yes, under a hundred. So it's easy to look at those two outings, and be like, wow, you know, two two teams with good records in Houston and the Giants. But uh, I don't think the Giants are that good. First of all, uh, and yeah. the Astros are clearly not what they've been in the past. So I'm a little bit higher on she and I, I think the strikeouts will come. But uh, long term, I'm with you and you didn't say this, but I would rather have Gavin Williams. And I, I think yeah. that's obvious, right? We don't want to overreact to a, a hot season from she in here. So moving I on, just think more, it's, I think it's most likely, though, that both of these guys are lack value this year because they're either sort of working through their learning stuff or they spend a bunch of time back in triple a uh Sheehan hasn't even been to triple a yet so you know as the dodgers get healthy and don't necessarily need him i think there's a good chance he he finds his way back to triple a especially if things don't turn around for him in terms of the home runs the walks the strikeouts yeah for sure Another exciting top prospect has debuted since the last time we spoke. That is Henry Davis, catcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates, who's the first overall pick in 2021 through his first 28 plate appearances. Ooh, what a sample. Two runs, one homer, one RBI, one stolen base, and a 250 average. 87.1 mile per hour average exit velocity. That is not an exciting number. Um, but again, just 28 plate appearances, 21% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate. Um, Henry Davis, is he a top 20? 12 catcher rest of season like what are we doing here with henry davis uh, i think the play time is going to be there yeah i mean not only does it seem like the playing time is going to be there but he's he's playing in the outfield so he's not fighting for those you know a couple times a week extra starts at catcher or even being the primary catcher and getting four games a week like they're they're using him as a as just a right fielder right now and so that should help him quite a bit. He also, at least for Otto New, played enough catcher in the minors that he will be catcher eligible next year. 
So I do think you have to wonder long term and and get to know your league's rules because I think there's a real chance that in outside of Otto New, he does not earn catcher eligibility back. And so from a keeper perspective, that really impacts his value. Like the you know outfield is not outfield's not first base or anything like that, but it certainly is a higher bar than catcher is. So knowing whether or not he's gonna be a catcher next year matters a lot. But yeah, I mean, in terms of this season, if he's playing 10 to 20% more than any other catcher, not any other, but most other catchers, right? He becomes sort of that, that Dalton Varsho type where he's catcher eligible, but plays like a another position. Everything looks good so far. Like his, you know, he's immediately shown he can avoid strikeouts. His walk rate of 7.1% actually seems like it should go up given his minor league track record. He's hitting for good power, like, it's a tiny, tiny sample. As you said, he's only got 18 batted ball events. He's got two barrels already. It's like he's hitting the ball hard and he's doing it fairly often. And I'm, I really like what I see. So I'm trying to see like, you know, who are the top 12 catchers this year. And he even stole a base already. I didn't realize that he had, he had nine in the minors. He's already got one in the majors. So he's adding a little bit of everything for you. But if I go to like the Rasball player Raider and I pull up the top catchers, and again, this would be five by five. So it's a little bit different than it would be for, for auto new or something that's less speed focused. But I mean, the number 12 catcher right now is, is William Contreras. So your, your top 12 are Jonah Heim, Will Smith, Sean Murphy, Salvador Perez, Elias Diaz, Dalton Varsho, Adley Rutschman, JT Realmuto, Cal Raleigh, Wilson Contreras, who's been terrible. How is he a top 10 catcher? Uh, Tyler Stevenson and William Contreras. And then you're getting to like, you know, Francisco Alvarez, who should move up that list, right? He's only that far down because he missed some time while he was still in the minors. Danny Jansen, who I don't think is going to move up that list. MJ Melendez, who's looked really bad. Like, I don't know. I, like at some level, I look at guys outside the top 12 and think about who could move in and maybe Kieber Ruiz starts to move up. Maybe. Travis Darno if he gets more playing time. Yiner Diaz if he gets more playing time. But like Bo Naylor had two hits the other day. Bo Naylor could theoretically move in there and he's got some speed, so he could add some stolen bases as well. But like there's plenty of room for Wilson Contreras to get surpassed for, you know, Tyler Stevenson if things don't get better, for Cal Raleigh if he's just power and nothing else to slide down. Like there's room for him to move into that top 12 for sure. And there isn't a ton of competition. If there, if a spot opens up, there's not a ton of competition to take it. So, yeah, I think he probably is a top twelve catcher the rest of the way. He certainly has the he, he certainly is a top twelve catcher in terms of bat talent. Now, whether or not that translates, of course, a different question. But like, yeah, I think it's a I think he might be. So then it's an interesting decision to make if you're contending and your catcher situation is so so like I don't know maybe you have Wilson Contreras, who I know has been bad, or you have William Contreras. Are you promoting Henry Davis? I think for me, probably not. I'm going to need to see more before I can because most leagues you can do that whenever you want. Um, but I, at this point, I'm excited about him. I'm going to keep him in the minor leagues uh, unless I have a huge issue at catcher. If it's if it's deeper than 12 teams, then I think he's definitely worth a promotion for a contending team. Yeah, D- Deeper than 12 teams or a two-catcher league or, and this is where we get back oh, to checking catcher, your rules. Definitely. Yeah, but check out your rules because if he's not going to be catcher eligible next year, if he is just going to be, and, and it like, you look, this team also has, um, 
what's his name? Andy Rodriguez coming, right? Like they may, they may be very happy to be like, you know what, Henry, you're not a catcher anymore. Like emergency is fine, but your future is as a, you know, DH and a right fielder. If that's the direction this is going and he's not going to be catcher eligible for you in like a fan tracks league or CBS league or whatever it is next year, then you have two choices. You trade him now or you call him up now because stashing him doesn't really make sense at that point. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think that's actually a nice kind of transition here, Chad. Before we get into more news and notes, as folks know, we are promoting the underdog sports. Specifically, we're taking a look at their seventh inning stretch program that Chad and I are excited about. As as you probably remember from last episode, if you didn't listen, it's a draft and hold uh, format. You could sign up for underdog. Let's do that first. You can sign up for underdog sports and use the promo code PitcherList, all capital letters, PitcherList, one word, to receive a 100% deposit match up to your first $100. Uh, but again, that's on your first deposit only. You can use that to check out this seventh inning stretch tournament, uh, which is a draft and hold. There's 20 rounds of drafting. So you'll have 20 players and it'll take the stats of your best players. And so this is a good opportunity to make some dart throws. And when thinking about Henry Davis or Gavin Williams or any of these prospect names that we've been talking about, there's other names that'll come up in the news that I find interesting for this. Last week, Chad, you and I talked about Carlos Rodon a little bit uh, for these drafts. We talked about Corbin Burns and where he would go. But when thinking about prospects in draft and hold, are we thinking about Henry Davis? Is he on your radar? Or what are we looking at for, for this? I think Davis should be because he's up and by the looks of things, he's going to be a regular bat in Pittsburgh's lineup the rest of the way. And you're going to need a catcher in this format, and he's probably catcher eligible. Um, I guess I should double check that. But assuming he's catcher eligible, like, yeah, I, I think he's an easy choice because of that. The the more challenging thing with prospects in this sort of format is anyone who isn't up yet, who you're you're hoping gets the call soon so someone like a christian encarnacion strand or someone like that you know we, we talk about this at the beginning of the season with prospects who we hope are going to get called up and you're like oh if they miss a month if they get called up in may like they're still like if a guy gets called up at the end of august he's missed half of like half the second half of the season right so like you're you have limited time to make up ground here and so all of a sudden every every day that a prospect is still in the minors after this draft happens is twice as painful as it is at the beginning of the year, more than that, actually, because you have less than half the season remaining by the time this starts. On top of that, because of the structure of this thing, because it's sort of a tournament structure, you've only got, what, three or four weeks, four weeks, three weeks for the first round? And so if you're like, oh, I got this prospect, he's going to come up and really help me out, that's great if you survive in advance. Right. In a season long league, if your prospect misses April and May, if you if you drafted Ellie Dela Cruz and you didn't get him till June, you got him in June. And now you have him for June, July, August, September. If you draft Encarnacion Strand, if you draft I'm trying to think of other like Colton Kowser, someone like that, and they don't get called up in the first couple of weeks of the second half, you may be out before you get them. So I, I I'm fine with a guy like Davis, but guys who aren't up yet. Boy, I'm going to be really cautious. Yeah, and and pitchers who are up, I would still be cautious. So we mentioned Sheehan, we mentioned Williams. I think they're just as likely to be the equivalent of a of a hitter who's not yet called up. Uh, it, you're going to miss out on a lot of stats, and 
like you may think, well, oh, that's okay because they're just going to take the stats from my best players anyway. So for a few weeks, maybe I just won't have them, but then I will. Well, keep in mind that you're one or two injuries away from just having dead spots um, that you can't pick up players for. So I, I would just, right. as a general rule of thumb, just kind of avoid prospects here. So again, don't forget to sign up for Underdog Sports and use the promo code PitcherList, all capital letters. Receive that 100% deposit up to $100 in your first deposit remember you must be 18 years or older to participate 19 or older in alabama nebraska nebraska 21 and older in massachusetts and arizona and you must be present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply if you're concerned with your play call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in arizona you can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in new york call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. We're going to take a quick break, folks. We're going to come back, get into the last little bits of news, and then dive into some odd new trade values. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome back, folks. Chad Young, Pete Ball, Keeper Cut Podcast. Diving through the news from the last week or so. Um, Chad, there's a player I'm excited about, and I'm going to put the the judge injury news aside for a second here, and that's Riley Green. Riley Green in your long-term leagues, I think is a great buy low right now because he's coming off a pretty serious injury, right? A stress fracture in his leg. Um, but if folks remember, he was, he was kind of breaking out before this injury. He's got a 10.1% barrel rate. That's good. He's averaging about 92 miles an hour on the exit velocity. His max EV is really high at 114.4. The walk rate was up. He chipped in six stolen bases on the surface. You look at the strikeout rate and you're like, it's no different than last year. It's still his biggest problem. It was his biggest problem in the minor leagues. But that K rate did drop almost seven percentage points from April to May. We're talking 32% in uh, April, 25% in May before the injury. I put a $6 bid in for him in my TGFBI league, a $6 bid, and there were no secondary bids. I got him for six bucks without anyone challenging. And this guy is about to return. He took batting practice. Uh, this is according to Chris McCoskey of the Detroit News. Took batting practice and did some straight line sprints at full speed. If it's a leg fracture, a stress fracture, whatever the heck that is, and he's running at full speed, that tells me he's pretty much ready to come back. So, Chad, are you buying low on Riley Green? Are you excited about him? Or was May kind of a flash in the pan here? I already bought low on him in our listener league, our listener auto new league. I traded Aaron Nola back on June 11th, almost exactly two weeks ago from today. I traded Aaron Nola June 12th, two weeks ago today. I traded Nola, $33 Nola for a $3 Brian Wu 
and an $8 Riley Green. And Wu at the time had been like, you know, he was exciting, but he had actually been struggling a bit, right? Like he came up and when I made that trade, he had made two starts, had thrown a total of six and two thirds innings and given up eight runs while striking out 11. Since then, he has now struck out 14 over 11 innings and given up only two runs. Like he's been terrific his last two times out. It's like Wu was almost a, he was almost secondary for me in that one. I was like, oh yeah, we'll see what he does the rest of the year. Maybe he'll turn things on. And then he, he did almost immediately. But that trade for me was really about getting Riley Green. Like that was why I made that trade was to to get Green. And I do think like if you're interested in buying low or I don't even know if you can really buy that low because his, his managers knew how well he was doing before. But you have a moment right now where he's not back. A team that's contending that hasn't been using him isn't used to having him, right? They're, he's not a guy they're used to having in their lineup. And so you have a moment where they're sort of like a little bit more willing, I think, to move him than they might be two, three weeks from now if he's back and producing for them. It's really hard when you're contending to trade away guys producing, even if you think you're going to get someone better, right? Even if you're like, oh, this is a clear upgrade. You're like, oh, but how much of an upgrade is it? This guy's really good right now. Do I really want to give up this future value for a guy, you know, when, when I'm already getting production here? Right now, they're not getting production from him. And so this is, a, I, I think, a good moment to buy. Now, I will caution, like, the fly ball rate is low. And that does cause, you know, a little bit of concern about the power. The He's got a 410 bat pip. Now, I think he's probably a solid, like, 340-ish bat pip kind of guy. So that 410 isn't quite as scary as for a guy who you might think is like a 290 BAPIP guy, but like it's going to come down. So there are some, some red flags, but like you said, the strikeout rate is improving. If you look at a rolling chart of not just his strikeout rate, but his O swing rate, he is chasing less. He's getting more and more comfortable in the box against major league pitching. And as bad as that, you know, as bad as that BAPIP looks like his WOBA and his X WOBA, 352 WOBA, 353 X WOBA, almost exactly the same. He's got a nice solid hard hit rate. He's got above a 10% barrel rate. Like there's a lot to like here. And it wasn't that long ago that he was considered one of the best prospects in the game. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm definitely in. If you can still get green, I would do it. And to me, this isn't just a like, oh, if you're thinking about the future, like if you see, if you're contending, and you see Riley Green on a trade block, I'd be super tempted to inquire and see what it might take to get him because I think he'll be back soon. And if he's back soon, he could help you right away. Yeah, to your point, this is not just a former, like, highly rated. Pro- this is like a former top prospect. Um, right. I mean, especially when it comes to fantasy, he's supposed to be a, a multi tool player, 22 years old. Um, I think, I think if you wait, another week you might miss your window because I think we were seeing Riley Green breaking out. I'm excited about him. I actually was offered him in that same league for my Max Scherzer. I ended up trading Scherzer for a $1 Tanner Bybee, so I'm not full of regret here. But uh man, I I don't know. That's that's a tough pass on on Riley Green. Also in the news, I said we'd get to it. Let's talk about it really quickly here cuz we, we there's just not you know what? We're going to start with a quote from Aaron Boone because uh, he he has no answers either. We don't have answers on Aaron Judge. We thought it was a sprain. Apparently, it's a tear. I always thought a sprain was a tear. I don't know what the difference is. Not a doctor, but apparently it's pretty bad. Um, this is from the New York Post. 
Um, and, and Boone was Aaron Boone, manager of the New York Yankees was being asked about a timeline for, uh, Aaron judge. And he basically just said, I can't make any promises. He said, I wish I had an answer. He said, I feel bad. You guys are looking for answers. That's your job. You're reporting, but I've got no answers. I'm trying to figure stuff out and get through this thing. It doesn't sound good. Aaron judge was quoted saying it hurts when he walks. There's not a lot to say here. This injury made me sell in keeper league two. So, or, or, or listener keep or cut league two boy. Anything here, Chad, anything to, to report on with Aaron Judge? <laughs> to report on? No, clearly there's nothing to report yeah, but, on. Yeah, a conversation he's, with him. he's hurt. I don't know. I don't know what to do with Aaron Judge is, is what it comes down to. I have him in, I think, two out of new leagues. One, two. Yes, two out of new leagues. One of those leagues, I am in first place in terms of it's a points league, and I'm in first place by points, but it's a... My grasp on first is tenuous, we'll say. Now, on the upside, I only have Judge because I traded him early in this, traded for him early in the season by giving up Jacob Degrom, and so it, I guess I'm better off. It was still a good trade for me, off. but <laughs> but it's a little sad. The other one, I'm in third place. That's my food and travel league. Whereas you know, being in the top three is you know intensely important to me. Very important here. So. I, I am really unsure what to do because they're they're $53 and $56. And so I think I'm going to put them on the trade block. But like, I don't know if I will find somebody who's like, yes, he's a $65 bat and I will give you, like, I'll replace him for you this year in order to have him for the future. I just, I don't know. I don't know what a trade for him is going to look like. But... I guess I think at some level if I'm com- competing and I can replace him with even like a good outfielder, I-, I would, but man, I mean, this is a tough one. Like I'm looking right now at trades. So this is what we're going to do in the second half of the episode. We'll just, we'll jump into it now quickly with judge, but we're going to look at it on the auto new player pages. You can go down and see recent trades by format for a player. So here's a recent head to head Fangraphs points trade that involved Aaron judge. It's a $48 judge, a little cheaper than mine. Along with a $1 Ronnie Mauricio, a $1 Evan Carter and a $2 Gavin Williams for a $26 Corbin Burns and a $34 Bo Bichette. So, you know, one way to look at that is that, that's three prospects for one of Bichette or Burns and then judge for the other one. I, I don't know if it's exactly the way I would view it, but it's something like that, which means that, you know, maybe you could get a Bichette or a Burns for judge. Maybe. Um, another, you know, I could just as easily look at that though and say that it's Mauricio and Gavin Williams for Burns and Carter plus judge for Bichette, which means if you want to get Bichette for judge, you have to add in a, a pretty legit top prospect to do it what's the is this fangraph points chad that was fangraph's points here's another fangraph points trade straight up 50 dollars judge for 62 dollars trout that just happened yesterday um here's a 52 dollars judge a two dollar ronaldo lopez and a one dollar or four dollar tyler soderstrom so judge in some parts i'm not that <laughs> excited about soderstrom or lopez but judge in some parts for a $33 Paul Goldschmidt and an $8 Wilson Contreras, who is also kind of a spare part at this point. So like, 
I think the way I'm looking at this right now is if I can trade my $50 plus judge and get a Goldschmidt, a Bichette, a Trout, I think I'd jump at that. Yeah, I, I, so that's one angle of, of looking at it is, okay, I'm competing. I've lost Judge. How do I stay afloat? But I think there's other markets for Aaron Judge. For one, if your record right now is like 19-3, and three, and we're talking about a head-to-head league with playoffs, I, I'm looking at Aaron Judge as an awesome buy low right now. Because if you're if you're someone who's selling and you have Aaron Judge, like I'm thinking, man, can I get anything for him? Like, wh- what can I get for Aaron Judge here? And so if someone comes to me and says like, hey, you know, here's a – Here's a keeper worthy player. I, I, and I'm just going to say player X for now, uh, be it in a keeper league or in a not new league where he's really cheap for your Aaron judge. Well, judge is doing me no good. Cause I'm probably looking at it as a, I'm not going to keep him in, in listener league too. I literally can't keep him. Um, so I'm just looking to see what I can get. And as somebody who's like a lock for the playoffs, all you care about is that you have Aaron judge for those playoffs. And although Aaron Boone wouldn't commit to anything, we give it a month's time, you're still rocking a great record and you add Aaron Judge to your lineup and it did not cost you an arm and a leg in terms of long-term value or short-term value, then, I, I mean, you're cooking at that point. It's just, are people going to be willing to sell that low on Aaron Judge? I think if you're selling, you are. So, I mean, there, there's definitely many different ways of looking at this. I think if there's a cheap Aaron Judge out there, which probably doesn't exist, but if there's a Aaron judge or something like that. And I'm out of contention. I'll send spare parts to get that because Aaron judge to me in most formats is still the number one overall player outside of Shohei Otani. Uh, So uh, there's so many different angles we could look at judge, but um, he's going to be moved in a lot of leagues at this deadline. Yeah, I think that's true. I think my concern in head to head leagues, because I agree with you if like all you care about is having him for the playoffs, but boy, I don't know how confident I feel that he's going to be there for the playoffs. So I think whatever, like, like I'm looking at my, my CBS head to head league where I am, I am in second place. I would like to catch the first place team, but this is one of those leagues where like every week I put up like a huge week and I look and I've lost ground to the team in first, I just cannot seem to, to gain ground. So I'm going to make the playoffs unless things go really, really sideways there that now the team that has judge there is in fourth and, and fading a little bit. Six teams make the playoffs, so they are going to want to find a way to get in. They also have a, because we do vote-offs in that league, and you can keep guys cheap otherwise, he's been protecting Judge for the last couple of years and as a $13 judge. It's like, I am more than happy to take on a $13 judge, even if he isn't back this year. But let's, let's pretend that he had a $40 judge, which would make him a keeper, but in that league, that's sort of a, a very high-priced keeper but a keeper. I don't know how much I want to give up knowing that there is real risk that I will get to the playoffs and still not have him. And that's, that is concerning to me. And I think that will limit his trade market a bit in head to head leagues. But like I said, I'm poking around here and like, you know, the leagues that the, the trades that have been made in auto new, let's see if there's one in any four by four leagues recently. No, nothing in a four by four league recently, but like the, the ones that I went through before are all like, here's a good, solid, not elite, but, but good bat, a trout who at this point is not elite, unfortunately, or hasn't been this year. Bichette, who I think has been elite, but I'm not sure you count on being elite. Goldschmidt, who's a very good first base or util bat. Like if I can get someone like that for judge, I, I think that's what the market's going to look like. 
is a contender wanting a piece like that back? And I think that's what I want. I think that's what I'd be trading him for. And if you're, if you're out of contention, then like this is actually almost worse for you in a way, if you're out of contention, because if you're out of contention, like, I don't know how much you can trade him for anymore. That's what I was saying. Yeah. That's, that's the, so, Hey, it's listener league. So they should be listening. Aaron judge is available. Uh, so those teams that are competing, I mean, like, honestly, I was considering, and I didn't want to nuke the league, but I was considering offering Pete Alonzo and Aaron judge for Ellie de la Cruz, because you can't keep either both, both actually, I guess you technically could keep Alonzo. If you want to give up a first round pick, I believe, I don't think anybody's going to do that, but you might not even get Aaron judge back this season and Ellie de la Cruz costing, you know, a last round pick to keep might be the single best keeper in the league. You know, it's a little premature to say that, but he's certainly trending in that direction. So I don't yeah. think that's too much of a, of a price to pay, but even as a contender, if you're willing to trade a piece like Ellie de la Cruz, you probably want something a little bit more guaranteed than Aaron judge because a straight yeah. one for one Ellie de la Cruz repeat Alonzo. You might just be breaking even by the end of the year. I don't know. Um, lots of different angles. I, I love that one. Who else do you have on this list of new dudes? Yeah. Guys that like whose trade value I think are sort of interesting right now. The other name that came up for me is, is Jordan Alvarez who similar boat, right? He's injured. We have not gotten any sort of like crazy negative reports that he may or may not come back. Like we seem to have gotten unjudged, but Jordan, it's an oblique and obliques are oh, always God scary and you never know and how Dusty long Baker is like the like bearer uh, I, like he's like a doomsday guy I like <laughs> yeah he is I love him he's great for the sport he's a total character but like a, a guy could like trip and fall going to second base and be taken out of the game and Dusty after the game will be like we'll see if we get him back this year and then the guy's in the lineup the next game so I, I don't know what to believe when it when it comes to Dusty Baker uh, but you're right oblique I mean think about we we're just talking about Aaron Judge how much time did he miss with that oblique injury not too, too long ago. I mean, that was in yeah. eternity. That loss is devastating, Jordan. Yeah. And and so my, like, I actually, he is on the trade block in the podcaster league that you and I are both in. And one of the guys that's been asked about, so the, the team that has him is Tim Kanek, Fantasy Ace Ball, and he's been asking about my Josh Lowe for weeks and weeks now. And I was like, hey, that's interesting. Jordan is a name that would actually get me to consider low, but I need at least some clarity on what's going on before I do anything. Right. Now, I feel a little bit better about Jordan than I do about Judge because I do think there's some risk that, you know, this really does linger and Jordan's out longer than we expect, but I'm I'm more confident he'll be back at some point. Like it does feel like there's at least a chance that we just who knows when we see judge again, but both of these things are like, they're both way up in the air, but here's some things going on in auto new leagues for Jordan Alvarez. So this is almost two weeks ago. Now, June 14th Alvarez at $51 in a four by no, in a, in a points head to head league, a $51 Jordan Alvarez and a $15 Jack Flaherty traded for $11 Strider and $11 Santander. It's a good all now, yeah. That's that's pretty nice. I mean, Strider is he's been a little cold lately, but still, that's that's a pretty nice return. I just Let's put see, five bucks little... on him to win the Cy Young, so I'm really hoping we yeah. get some value there. <laughs> he's plus a, a thousand. Bit, uh... Oh, really? Yeah, 
Fair enough. So, oh my gosh. Uh, I don't even know how to read these trades. Uh, <laughs> so there were two trades less than 10 days ago for that included Jordan Alvarez, but they are, let's see if we can parse what is going on with these. So a $42 Jordan Alvarez, a $54 Ronald Acuna Jr. And a $2 JP France who just, he's just sneaking like, there. I don't know, but he's, he's That's like, like looking around soldier what I'm doing here. <laughs> How did this happen? Uh, they got traded. Get ready. It's going to take me a little while. All right. They got traded for a $30 Austin Riley, a $1 Dane Dunning, a $2 Brent Rooker, a $7 Grayson Rodriguez, a $4 Ellie De La Cruz, an $8 Vinny Pascantino, and a $1 James Wood. Oh, I love that trade. Goodness, I love it for the, for the seller. I mean, Dunning and Rooker, I don't think I care much about. Oh, yeah. Who cares? The but other names, though. Pascantino, De La Cruz, Grayson Rodriguez, Austin Riley, even at 30 bucks is a pretty nice ad. Absolutely. And a $1 James Wood. That's a, that's a nice, that is a nice haul. He did very, very well. He or she yeah. did very, very well. So then here's the other one. This is also, there's just a lot going on here. This one also includes Ellie De La Cruz, but in this one, it's Ellie going with Okay, this is interesting. In this case, the team giving up Jordan is clearly the team that's buying. Because they gave up a $6 Reese Hoskins, a $4 Itzhak Paredes, a $6 Ellie De La Cruz, and a $3 Marcelo Mayer, along with a $45 Jordan Alvarez. They got back $55 Garrett Cole, $26 Josh Hader, $24 Blake Snell, $10 Ian Happ, $36 Pete Alonso, and $21 Masataka Yoshida. Goodness, there's wow. going on there. Oh my yeah. god, just switch rosters. Just give each other your <laughs> usernames. This is an interesting one because they they gave up. I mean, there's a ton of lost production at middle infield between Paredes and Dela Cruz that that team just gave up. But they got, I mean, they got a rotation back with Cole <laughs> and Snell and Hader. Like that's a that's a big improvement there. And then they added Pete Alonso at first base. They they you know. If you figure Alvarez is out for a while, you've got big upgrades in the outfield with Ian Happ and Masataka Yoshida. So, goodness. There's a There's lot, a lot I mean, there. <laughs> that's almost too much to digest. Well, hey, Blake Snell, big shout out to you. And I, I did say as well, keep in mind, folks, that he's going to rattle off a Cy Young-like yeah. stretch at some point. We talked about him about a month ago in an episode where guys who had uh, ERAs over five or FIPs over five, I can't even remember the parameters, and he like just missed the cut. And we were like, you know what? It's Blake Snell, though. He's probably <laughs> he's probably going to look like Sandy Koufax for a month or two, and uh, it's happening right now. So if you can sell high like this guy just did, maybe you should. Are you? I, well, let's hear from the Blake Snell man himself. Are you interested in selling high on Blake Snell, or do you think this is who he is rest of the season? I don't think you can sell that high on him because I think that like too many people are just like, eh, he's going to fall yeah, apart again. On to his nonsense. Yeah. So I think you just ride it out. And that's that's what I'm doing. I'm just holding it him where I've got him. It sounds like you expect him to revert back to. I I don't really. I think that like I don't think he'll be this good the rest of the way, but I think he'll be good. Sure. And I'm just not willing to like, like I'm not going to negotiate with someone who's like, well, yeah, he's going to be great for another two weeks, but then he's going to be terrible. And I'm going to have to cut him. It's like I'm just not trading him for that value. Yeah. Like I, true. you know. If you tell me, I think he's going to be great for another two weeks and then he's going to settle in as like a top 30, top 40 kind of guy the rest of the way. 
okay, I'll talk to you about that. I might be a little higher than that. I might think, you know, top 30 is like, I think he might have a shot at being a top 20 kind of guy the rest of the way. Definitely. But like, I'll talk to you about it then at least like then there might be a conversation to be had, but like, I'm just, I'm not, I don't know if somebody's going to tell me like he's pitching like a top five guy and he's going to stay that way. Then yeah, I'll sell high. I just don't think that that person exists. Yeah. He fits this bill of like players with interesting trade value because I <laughs> like, if you're a seller and you're selling Blake Snell, man, you gotta, <laughs> this is the hardest you've ever had to work to sell a pitcher who's dominating this hard. Yeah. So let's take a look. We'll see what kind of trades have happened with Blake Snell recently. Uh, Blake Snell in a head to head Fangraphs points league about a week ago, $25 Snell for a $2 AJ Smith Shaver. Boy, there's probably some buyer's remorse there. Yeah. No kidding. Goodness. Smith. I, I really like, I still like Smith Shaver long-term, but yeah, he hasn't been, well, people started invoking the name Spencer Strider with him just because Brave, who's Ooh, yeah, getting called right. up. I, it's just ridiculous. That was like the bar was immediately set way too high in fantasy. So I did trade, by the way, Blake Snell. It's funny. I, I just remembered this because as I'm poking around at other leagues, I was like, let's see if there are any four by four trades from him. I'm like, oh, there was one 10 days ago. Oh, wait, that's my team. I traded Blake Snell 10 days ago. Uh, so I traded in our listener league. And this is a league where I'm selling, mind you, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not contending here. A $22 Blake Snell, a $12 Jordan Montgomery, and a $41 Manny Machado for a $19 Nolan Arenado, a $15 Logan Gilbert, and a $2 Kerry Carpenter. Love it. And yeah, for that one for me, it was like, this is a pretty simple um, Machado for Arenado. Like I saved 22. I, I, there's a loan, so I don't immediately save $22. But like long-term, I save $22. And as Arenado starts hitting, I can decide if he's my... $21 third baseman next year. If I flip him for something else later, Snell at $22 for Logan Gilbert at $15, I, I think is a nice $7 savings. And Jordan Montgomery really hasn't been what I hoped he'd be at $12. And so getting Kerry Carpenter, who I like, like I, I was just very happy with that trade, which I guess is to say like, am I selling high in Snell? No, but if I'm in a league where I'm not contending, like move him now while you can, even if you're not going to get great value for him. Because the problem is that like at $24 next year, I just, I didn't love the price anyways. Right. So yeah, here's some trades in Fangraphs points leagues, a $22 Blake Snell and a $16 Framber Valdez for a $35 Kyle Tucker and a $5 Scott Barlow. That oh, was what I don't go. That's a lot of pitching to give up. Yeah, <laughs> I hope we the, got some the pitching pitchers. depth. Yeah, seriously. Be curious to see that team. So that team, the team that made that trade, first of all, they are in last place in their league. So they are, this is for them about buying Tucker for the future. And they do have, I mean, they've got Brandon Woodruff at $21. They've got an $11 Sonny Gray, a $10 Dustin May, a $10 Walker Bueller, $8 Logan Allen, $7 Tony Gonsolin, $5 $5 Nestor Cortez. Uh, and then they've got some like Aaron Ashby, Brandon Fott, Ronzi Contreras types. They've got a Shane Boz. Like they've got some, they've got some interesting stuff. If you think about the future, I get why they'd be willing to give up those pitchers. $35 Kyle Tucker though. Like 
Kyle Tucker was a five and a half point per game outfielder last year. He's a five and a half point per game outfielder this year. And like, I, I don't know, at $35, that doesn't feel, that doesn't feel like, like you're that exciting. You're paying a, a, a roto price for speed that you shouldn't be paying in Fangraphs points. That's what that feels like. Yeah. I mean, 5.5 points per game from an outfielder, like, He's just below Luke Rayleigh. He's just below Henry Davis, who we were talking about. He's below Jock Peterson. Lamont um, Wade's right around, around Josh. There. What? Lamont Wade has got to be right around there. Lamont Wade, I think, is a little lower. He's oh, 5.96. Oh, he's higher. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, like, right now, Tucker isn't really, he's not even a top 30 outfielder by points per game. I don't think. Four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty, twenty-two, twenty-four, twenty-six, twenty-eight, thirty, thirty-two, thirty-four, thirty-six. 30. He's about he's about the fortieth outfielder. That's not exact. I didn't count perfectly. And there are some guys up there like Billy McKinney. He, he's Billy McKinney is not a five point nine one point per game outfielder. <laughs> um, it's probably a little early to assume that Henry Davis is just going to be better. But like, yeah, I don't think a th- I don't think thirty seven dollar next year Kyle Tucker is a keeper. Yeah, I mean, I, at the very least, you could probably just get him back for the same price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that does give you a sense of sort of where Snell is going. It does lead me to an interesting question of like, what is Kyle Tucker's trade value? And so, as long as we're here. Um, other than that Snell trade, here in Fangraphs points, Tucker was traded just a couple days ago for Ozzy Albies, a $31 Tucker for a $35 Ozzy Albies. I could Ozzy see Albies, both sides. Ozzy Albies is an interesting player right now. I was looking at the, there, someone tweeted out the height and weight of the home run leaders. And uh, there was one that stood out, and I think you could probably guess who that was based (laughs) on the context here. But we do have to take one more break. And then I have an interesting comp for you. I have a rest-of-season question as it relates to second baseman before we dive into more trades. Welcome back, folks. I had a question for Chad about second baseman, and I was looking at these two second basemans. Their numbers are so close. In long-term leagues, I think the answer is Albies because he is three years younger. But Chad, have you seen what Cattell Marte is doing? And he's doing it to spite me because I was all in on him last season. He is out of control this season, uh, especially lately. He's homered in quite a few games recently. So rest of season, Chad, Ozzy Albies, Cattell Marte. Is it a crazy question, first of all, because I think most of our listeners are screaming Ozzy Albies. But again, I, I, I encourage you to go look at what Cattell Marte is doing this season. Who do we got? So Marte is such a weird dude. It's like, you go back to 20, let's say 2018, 2018, he has a 330 Woba, pretty solid league average-ish bat for Arizona. Then he goes out in 2019 and puts up a 405 Woba. Then he goes out in 2020 and it's back down to 316. And everyone's like, what is going on here? Then he comes back in 2021 and it's 385. And then he comes back in 2022 and it's 317. He's like, it's such a roller coaster with him. And now though, he's back up at 382. So I mean, I'd be super worried about next year, I guess, but he's <laughs> he is more than capable of doing this for a full season. And the reality is, like, 
Albies has never touched that level of production. Right. He's never come close. Right. His his career high Woba is a three fifty four back in twenty nineteen. And that was in the the rabbit ball year. So that, that three fifty four isn't as good as it sounds. He's got a three forty seven this year. Those are the and he was a three forty seven as a rookie. Those are the only years he's been over three forty. And I just read off to you that three of the last five years, Albies has been over three uh Catal Marte has been over three eighty. So I think the answer has to be Marte rest of year. Love Long it. term, I still think it's it's Albies because well, I guess I don't know. I I guess it's Albies long term because I don't know how you rely on Marte, right? To like because he's been so up and down. But yeah, I mean, you know, the the thing that happens for him is like you look at these down years and it's always low home run per fly ball rate. The up years are always high home run per fly ball rate. And his his barrel rate follows it, right? So this isn't just noise, right? 2018, that sort of okay year, his barrel rate is 4.5%. It went up to 9.1%. Then it went down to 3.7%. Then it went up to 8.9%. Then it went down to 6.1%. Now it's back up to 9.8%. Like, I, he, like he has like legitimate fundamental changes in his skills on a year-to-year basis in terms of his ability to barrel the ball. And I, I just, I don't know how you... I don't know how to evaluate him or how to rely on him moving forward. Like, you know, we talked about his Wobas going up and down. His ex Wobas, 320, 375, 306, 372, 315, 352. Like, it's not, it's not just like fluky, noisy stuff. It's like he's a different player every other year. Does he have a twin and they just like switch off being professional baseball players or something? <laughs> it, it, I mean, it is really bizarre. It kind of reminds me of, I, I think the player I'm thinking of is Matt Kane, but. I could be wrong in that. I swear Matt Cain would be like one year. I think it was in the odd numbered years or something like that. He was like Cy Young. And then in the even years, it was like the Matt Cain we remember towards the end of just epic disasters. I I can't recall, but it's not, it's not something that's completely unprecedented. It is just especially bizarre. I would encourage folks too to look at Ozzy Albies under the hood because like he's never, He's to be fair, he's never been somebody who under the hood looks great, and yet he's always produced quality results, right? Kind of like uh, almost like Tim Anderson, Anderson in that regard, where, or, or Javier Baez, where it was, man, these guys are so Babbitt dependent. At some point, the bottom is going to fall out. Maybe it has for both of them, actually. Maybe we were right the whole time. It just took a while of being wrong. But in Ozzy Albi's case, like, man, he is, he really has to continue to hit fly balls 10 percentage points above league average and pull. 52% of the time, which is 16 percentage points above league average to maintain these power numbers. And he might, but if he does, don't be surprised if that batting average, even though his strikeout rate is super low, continues to fall because he's just hitting so many balls in the air. So if he's going to continue this homer output, he has to continue doing things that won't necessarily maybe help his batting average because the average exit velocity is is not good. And the the barrel rate is like fine. Um, you're, you're really depending on a unique pull and let it fly uh, approach here, which I like, again, I like to see that, but I don't know how sustainable it is for Ozzy. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's that it, it's right to be concerned about that. Although I'm not concerned about it immediately. It seems like a long-term concern rather than a for short-term sure. one. Like it's, he clearly is, is able to make that work. I do think that the, like, it's easy to look at his line right now and be like, you know, top of everything else, he has a 261 BAPIP and he's a 293 career BAPIP guy, and that's going to come back up. But, like, I don't know that he's going to keep. 
I think being low bat, it might be sort of part of what happens when you're predictably hitting the ball in the air to your pull side repeatedly. Right. So he's been much more of a spread hitter in the past. Yeah. So like, and if you look this last, you know, three years. So if you look at his pull rates, like the last three years after being around, he he spent, you know, the first four years of his career with a 44.6% pull rate. It's then, you know, it's 43.5 in 2021, 48% and then 54% this year. He has gone the other way less and less over those three years. And as that's happened, his BAPIP has dropped. Um, he's also hitting fewer line drives. He was much more of a line drive hitter earlier in his career and now really isn't a line drive hitter as much. And so I, I think there's some things that that lead me to believe he's going, like his career BAPIP is overstating what his BAPIP will be going forward. And so that doesn't mean he's bad, right? He's been very good with a 261 BAPIP. I think there is some positive regression there, but I think it's less positive regression than some people might be hoping for. Fair enough. I love that. Sorry for for my, I don't know if that's ADD or what that is, that detour we just took down that second base rabbit hole. But both of those players I find fascinating. Chad, are there any other names that stick out to you as interesting trade value players. I know in the notes or not in the notes in conversation, you mentioned Vlad who's killing me with the lack of power. And right before I was about to scream, he had a massive three run Homer the other day. Um, is there anyone like that? Or do we want to break down Vlad as we, as we really embark on trade season here? Yeah. So let's take a quick look at Vlad. Um, and so trades for him recently. And I think the reason he's interesting, by the way, is from a price standpoint, he's about as expensive a first baseman as there is. His, his median salary in Ottawa is $45. Like people have paid for him. And he's been merely good this year. And really, I mean, it's a little bit like Kyle Tucker, right? We're just talking about Kyle Tucker was a 5.5 point per game outfielder the last two years after having that, you know, high sixes the year before that. 2021, Vlad was 7.89. That was his just monster year he had where he had 48 home runs. Last year, he was 5.89 points per game. This year, he's 5.65. Like, that's not that exciting a first baseman. And so his price has reached a point now where he's so expensive that even though he's been good, he hasn't been good enough. And he becomes Mm -hmm. like right now to me, if you've got like a $45 Vlad, he's a pretty easy cut in the offseason, unless the second half goes really differently. And so from that perspective, he becomes an interesting trade candidate. Here are some trades with him recently. Five days ago in a head-to-head Fangraph points league, this is a $53 Vlad, a $4 Brian Bayo, and a $5 Nathan Uvalde. Got traded for a $36 Giancarlo Stanton, a $5 CJ Crone, a, an $11 Luis Severino, and a $5 Brian Reynolds. Wow, $5 Brian Reynolds. I don't know how uh, that happened. He just feels like such a misfit with the rest of his trade. It's like, okay, so like Vlad is expensive. Bayo and Uvalde are sort of fun. I get that. And the other side, you've got like a cheap CJ Crone and maybe an interesting Luis Severino and an expensive Giancarlo Stanton, but like at least you get power out of him. And then a $5 Brian Reynolds. And it's like, yeah, he, he's on another Crazy. level in terms of the value there. So, I man, like if I could trade an expensive Vlad for a $5 Brian Reynolds, yeah. I would do that all day. I got worried when you said the $5 Brian Bayo because, or $4 Brian Bayo, I'm very biased, but man, he looks awesome. He is finally giving us something to be excited about in the pitching department. Yeah. So here's another one. Uh, Nine days ago, a $7 Vinny Pascantino and a $3 Jackson Churio for a $60 Vlad. 
How so expensive Jackson Trio? Three. Oh, I thought you said seven. The seven dollar Vinny Pascantino. Okay. So this is a team. The team that had Vlad was in seventh place. The team that acquired Vlad is in first. So this is a purely a case of this team being like, I'm sure they were counting on Pascantino, right? They either had them. Let's let's take a look at that team's roster real quick. They have so their first basemen are Vlad, Josh Bell, and Rowdy Telez. And then they've got some guys like Justin Turner and Isaac Paredes who qualify at first. But basically, before this trade, like Vinny was their first baseman. And then Vinny got hurt. And so they gave up a pretty sizable amount, I think, in terms of Vinny and, and Jackson Churio to get a $60 Vlad who's who's a pretty easy cut at this point. But I sort of like this for both teams. I think like if you have a $60 Vlad and you can get a couple of young studs like that, that's that's pretty great. And if you're in first place and want to hold on to it and your only first baseman are Josh Bell and Rowdy Telez and, and you can go get Vlad, go do it. Yeah, that is such a rare example of a massive, massive win for both teams because you're right. I, I love the return of Pasquantino and, and Churio. But also to be in first place and bring in Vlad for two players who were going to literally give you nothing the rest of the season. That's huge. That's a massive upgrade. Yeah. So I think like those are both like gives you a sense of like what where I think you should be thinking. Here's another. See, what is this? This trade is a week ago, 10 days ago in a Sabre points league. It's a $56 Vlad, a $30 Austin Riley and a $7 Strider. For a $27 Paul Goldschmidt, a $50 Jose Ramirez, and a $16 Framber Valdez. Wait, who's competing? <laughs> I think we got two, two guys competing there. This is like this is so interesting, too, because, okay, so here it is. You, you've got a, the first base swap is a $50 Vlad for a $27 Goldschmidt. I'm taking which, Goldie. $56 Vlad, I should say. So long-term, Goldie is clearly the better option. Second half of this year, right now, it looks like Goldie's still the better option. Yeah. But... It's you could see where, you know, you can dream on Vlad being better. The third base trade is a $30 Austin Riley for a $50 Jose Ramirez. And boy, I mean, I would take Jose the rest of this year, but those salaries give me Riley. Yeah, but you have to assume that the team taking on Riley is still trying to compete. No, no, I'm saying for this year, for this year, Jose, for sure. For the future, though, a $30 Riley over a $50 Jose is... That's a no-brainer. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then a $7 Strider for a $16 Framber. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we're... They're they're both easy keeps, but I like Strider significantly more. Yeah. This is... I mean, it's an interesting one. So one team is getting... Boy, I mean, one team is, is I think you would say getting the better pitching side because they got Strider, but the worst hitting side, because I think I'd rather have Goldschmidt, like Goldie and Ramirez versus Vlad and Riley. Each of those teams is winning the long term on one of those two, right? I'd rather have Riley long term, but I'd rather have Goldie long term. I Man. That is a... That is a fascinating trade. There's also no loan here. So I wonder how the money worked out here. Because that's $86, $93 on one side. It's exactly $93 on both sides. So that's why there's no loan. They, there's no, <laughs> no such a weird trade. <laughs> it is. It is a fascinating, fascinating trade. Um, I, 
Yeah. I could see that going either way. I don't know this I like better overall. I I like both sides of this. I'm not sure I understand the trade other than it I don't being either. a pure challenge trade, right? This is this has just got to be a case where one team was like, I would rather have these three. And their team was like, well, I would rather have those three. And so they for sure made it work. But I'm not if sure. I'm trying like, to, if he's trying to compete, I'm giving. Fourth place, by the way. They're yeah, in second yeah, place so and fourth place. They're going to see each other. I mean, if I'm competing, I'm taking the Ramirez and Goldschmidt side. But in terms of like big picture, I there's no way that a $6 Strider side loses, even if he gets hit really hard in arbitration. So long term, yeah. I'll take whatever side got Strider. In the short term, <laughs> I'm definitely taking the hitting side. The the to be clear, the Ramirez and Goldschmidt. I think your team just got better yeah. at two important spots. Framber, yeah. by the way, American League favorite for Cy Young. So even though you gave up a six dollar strider, you are still just as good today as you were yesterday in pitching. Yes. And I think it's worth noting that like a sixteen dollar Framber versus a seven dollar strider, like long term, they're both pretty valuable. Yeah. Like it's not a big hit. So I it's man. That is a fascinating trade. But that is. I, I think the, the big thing with this trade, and this is going to be true of any Vlad trade, is it's going to really matter what Vlad does the rest of the way. Because, like, you know, he was a 351 Woba last year. He's 350 this year. But his ex Woba has jumped from 347 to 397. He's hitting the ball hard more often. His barrel rate is up. His average exit velocity is up. His launch angle which has always been an issue for him, had fallen to 4.3 last year. It's up to 8.7 this year. That's still not high enough. You'd still like to see him elevating more. But that's versus a 9.4 in that 2021 season when he was you know, insanely good. Mm-hmm. His fly ball rate is, you know, like I said, you'd still like the fly ball rate to be up, but the, the ground ball rate's going down. I, there are little inklings of stuff that should be good. His home run per fly ball rate is just, way down. It's 13.8%. His career home run per fly ball rate is 19.3%. And like I said, he's been hitting the ball harder this year. So I I have to believe there's a correction coming to that home run per fly ball rate. And if that happens, like maybe that's where, maybe that's where you start feeling like Vlad is going to be Vlad again, or the Vlad we thought he'd be. His strikeout rate is a career low as of right now. His walk rate is up a little bit from last year, 8.2 last year, 8.4 this year. So not, not really meaningful, but like there's just, there's a lot to like with what Vlad's doing, except for this weirdly low home run per fly ball rate. And the fact that he still just, you still like to see him hitting more fly balls than he does given how hard he hits the ball. But I don't know. It feels like a correction has got to be coming that home run per fly ball rate. Right. I mean, of course, but even if it, even if it does, there's still two things there. Number one, he's still probably not a $60 keeper or or whatever he ends up being. No, not at 60. That's true. I, I, I mean, I passed on a $60 Vlad. I let him go to auction in the Keeper Cut Listener League. And the other thing is, even if those things do all kind of go right, is he marginally better than Paul Goldschmidt? Like, Paul, Paul Goldschmidt is still really freaking good, man. So uh, this has been yeah. the Keeper Cut podcast. We got our guys. Marcus Semien's a guy. Paul Goldschmidt's definitely a guy for us. Um, and so, like, even if everything goes right for Vlad and that vision comes through, you still gave up Paul Goldschmidt to get him. In worst case, those things don't correct. Guys sometimes have weird seasons. Could Vlad finish the season with 26, 25 home runs? Yeah, it's what he's on pace for. So I, I, it's not a slam dunk for me. Um, I'm taking that Goldie and, and Joe Ramside short term. So let me ask you a question now. 
since we're talking trade value and we're about out of time here, but I think this will be one last thing. Bringing together two of the guys we've talked about. Let's do so it. So in that food and travel league where I've got that 50, I can't remember now, $56 Aaron Judge, $56 Aaron Judge. There is a team in last place that has a $51 Vlad on the block. Would you trade a $56 Judge for a $51 Vlad from either side? Look at it from my side and from the other team's side. Is that a deal where you're like, yeah, I would take a, like having that Judge long-term is worth it. And yeah, I would give up Judge in order to, you know, lock in production, even if it's not elite. And what, what place are you in? I am in third. And what place is he oh, in? I'm in Sorry. fourth. I've I've lost ground in the last couple of days. I'm in fourth. He's in twelfth. Okay. And right now, like Vlad, I've got Pete Alonso at first base. My third baseman are a combination of Key Brian Hayes, Brett Beatty, and I think I have Matt Chapman too. I thought, oh yeah, and Matt Chapman. So like right now, my util bat is like one of Hayes, Chapman, or Beatty. Sometimes it's one of my like outfielders, like Kirilov or someone like that. I mean, my, my outfield is sort of weird. Um, I miss, I misjudge badly. Uh, but so Vlad would become my util bat, right. With, with Alonzo at first, which is fine. I mean, you make room at utility for players like that. So from your perspective, I'm doing that trade 10 times out of 10. I'm gravely concerned about Aaron judges outlook for the rest of the season, because with foot stuff, like even if he comes back, there's no telling that he might not end up back on the IL or that this could majorly impact his game. But with Vlad, I mean, he can should hopefully only go up from here or at least stay the same, which is a very, very good player. Um, So if I'm fighting like I'm in fourth place and I'm trying to get in that top three, if I can get Vlad for judge, I'm definitely doing that. If I'm selling from the basement, I'm hoping to get more of like a maybe a, a few pieces to keep long term i mean you know me i'm a huge fan of aaron judge so maybe i view judge as like yeah you know what i'll keep him at 53 or whatever he's going to end up being and i'm fine with that but i think more likely if you're you're selling you're looking to get more younger cheaper pieces just to throw it out there i offered that manager a four dollar luke Rayley, a six dollar brett Beatty, and a one dollar drew gilbert for vlad and the response was that he's looking for more of a singular impact oh so I, yeah. I guess you would still have judge. to view. I may try judge. He would you still have to, have to view judge as a keeper. Right. That's the question yeah. is, does he think judge is like a 60 to $65 guy? Cause if he does, then I think that works. If it doesn't, doesn't. So, but I might, yeah. I might ping him with that. We'll have to see. I like it. All right. Well, Chad, you said it. We are, we are well up over an hour here, folks. Thanks for listening. You can catch us next Wednesday. Uh, give us ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. Follow Chad at, at Chad Young. Remember, you're going to see the Keeper Cut account and myself actually tweeting things soon. Um, so give us give us a listen next week, and uh, we'll see you then.